This is Cher, author of Unbound, 100 Days of Intent, and Trauma Recovery Coach. I invite you to join me this week on another edition of Unbound as we unlock, unlearn, and unbind from the false beliefs that we hold about ourselves surrounding sexual abuse and domestic violence. Hi, this is Cher. Thanks for joining me, the book goddess, and my special guest, Syl Sebastian, author of Out BS, Overcoming and Understanding Today's Bullshit, a book about unlocking and unlearning, unbinding from narcissism and the effects that it carries on you. Um, recently, you, you and I, we were working on a task together of me to practice my awareness. Yeah. And part of that practice, I began listening more to some of the words that you were saying, some of the things that you were talking about. And then I came across and remembered, yep, you've got this, <laughs> your, your yeah. book. That yes. you and together. Yes, and I have it as a program also. The program is called the Psychology of the Superiority Paradigm. Oh, so that's what I was going to start off with. Is um, what is that exactly? The program or the book? Yeah, they're, they're the both similar though. All right. Yeah. So, book. Uh, you know, the title at BS came from something that was uh, very prominent at that time. Uh, it was right after the book got published. It was written long before, but it was uh, right, published right after the, well, the shooting in Florida at the school. Um, and those kids from that school, um, Marjorie something school, I forget, uh, Parkland, Florida, was the shooting. And the kids there were very sophisticated kids. And they were very sharp. And they, they took this thing national. And they had that march, you know, march for your rights and all this. And one of their slogans that they would uh, 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 chant at, at these big rallies that they held, you know, to bring awareness to the, to the um, gun shooting issue was out BS, out BS. And, you know, it also stands, it's an, it's a, for, you know, overcoming and understanding today's BS. So there's, you know, double layeredness to it. But the, the, so the focus was on, in the book especially, the focus is on the start of almost all the troubles we have, it, it starts with bullshit in some way or another. I mean, if you just look at, at anything really, and, and, and one of the motivations behind the book, this was very strong for Olivia, uh, because she was really involved with a narcissist at the time, and she wanted to really bring this home, that you've got to pay attention to the bullshit in your local environment in your family, in your friends, because that's where the BMNs, the bullshit manipulator narcissists, that's where they start. And if we don't uh, have a, an appropriate intolerance towards bullshit and see it for what it is, which is really, it's a cancer. And that's actually was going to be the original title of the book, The Cancer of Bullshit. But, you know, cancer is a sensitive topic to many people, so we just thought, all right, you know, let's not go there and use that. It's unfortunate, you know, that sometimes you've got to amend things like that for nonsense reasons a little bit, but all right, you know, 
one has to be considerate as well, I suppose. But this, this bullshit, it really is a cancer. And if you don't catch it in the beginning, it starts eating away. And that's the deal. And, you know, the, it's, it's involved. So the book is about bringing attention to the roots of the abusive personalities, the black hole psychologies that you mentioned, and all the destructiveness that they co cause, and also how we relate to that, and how we are unaware of it, and why we don't see it. But it's starting at that core, that root, that little supposedly insignificant start, which is bullshit. But if you think about it, Right, and it's mentioned in the book. We tend to minimize bullshit. We call it BS. We don't want to say bullshit. You know, bullshit is one of the words that's still banned on national TV, you know, on the networks. What? Yeah, you can't say bullshit. Yeah. You can say crap, which when I was a kid, you couldn't say, you know, if you said shit, all right, you know, you, you, you get a smack. But crap was way worse than shit. But anyway, crap is okay. But to say bullshit is not. It's fascinating. So... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and, and this is, is really, really interesting in terms of the psychology underneath it, that bullshit is considered this ugly word, and it's, you don't want to use it in polite society. Well, because it's so prevalent, and when we call it, we are really putting people on the spot. But by minimizing it, we also okay it. And we sort of have this societal attitude, ah, oh, a little bit of bullshit is okay. You know, they're just exaggerating, they're just emphasizing, they're just dressing it up. And we, we poo-poo it and we minimize it and we okay it. But that's where it starts. You know, and then when you look at it even in more detail, you say, hmm, wait a second, what really is going on? What is the intent and the psychology of somebody who's bullshitting me? It's deliberate, right? Yes. Yes. So, so they are deliberately selling me a falsehood because that's really what they're doing when they bullshit. They sell you a falsity, a falsehood, right? Which is it's just downright, outright deception. That's it. And, yeah. and it, it, you know, when you lie, yes, that's also deception. But bullshit has that extra element of making it uh, of the hypocrisy involved. Because now you're taking your lie and you're dressing it up to not look like a lie. It's like a double deception. If you lie, you're taking a chance that people don't find out you lie. But mm -hmm. with bullshit, you're kind of almost letting people know that you're doing it, but you're trying to convince them that what they're hearing isn't bullshit, isn't a lie. It's, it's okay somehow. And that's the danger of bullshit rather than lying. Because lying is like, it's, it's a 50-50 type of a deal. Or at least, you know, it's a risk. You get caught and then you're in trouble and not. But the bullshit, you can't really get caught because it's all that obfuscation, that fudging, uh, that, that packaging around. It's very hard to pin down bullshit. So they sell you all this crap and they have their escape route out too which is just like deception piled upon deception. It's really, really a terrible uh, disease, really. So uh, when you asked what the program is about in the book, it is about understanding the psychology and the logic of both those that have to deal with the severe consequences of bullshit, which is narcissism and manipulation and abuse. I mean, that's when bullshit has run to its end. Right? All of those things start really based on bullshit. You, so in your book, your journey, it starts with your parents essentially bullshitting you, right? Yes. Your father who, who, who sexually abused you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, what did he do in the beginning? 
I mean, he, he, he made little things, oh, this, that. But it started with that those very subtle little delicate bullshit things, right? Yeah. I, I don't know the wording exactly, I'm, I'm sure you remember. But before it got serious, I, I think you mentioned a phrase that he said, oh, it was like, uh, you know, lovely time or something like that, right? For playtime. Uh, what, playtime? Special playtime. Ah, special playtime, there you go. Exactly. Now, th there you go. It's just complete and utter bullshit, and that's where it starts. How does a person prevent themselves from not becoming involved again? I understand, you know, there's awareness, there's the, our, our discernment and understanding. But if we're online, is there a way to determine whether or not somebody online, like say an influencer, is actually a narcissist or, you know, bullshit manipulator? Ah, that's a great question. That's a great, great, great question. All right, first thing I will say, there's no easy answer for this. Sorry, there isn't. Right? So the, the key to this is uh, do your homework, learn and, and study, you know, uh, yes, for, you know, for want of, I don't mean to say this to promote my own book, because yes, it certainly is a very different insight into the psychology, because it goes all the way to the end. But uh, uh, there are many, 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 many books on this topic, and you, like you said, narcissist, you can start to look in what narcissist means, and you'll see there's all sorts of variations on narcissist, right? I mean, uh, so when you look into this a little bit carefully, but we combine this, we coined this term BMN, Bullshit Manipulator Narcissist, which combines all of this. The bullshit part is you know these people that are in your life, you know, your Uncle Joe with these tall stories. Okay, you tolerate him, but still, it's, it's bullshit. All right, he's entertaining, so you let it go. And everybody sort of knows that it is stretching the truth, and they accept it, and he does too. So it's not a direct deception because it's entertaining. So he's an entertainer. Okay, you could say all of entertainment is bullshit, and so it is. But we, they are time. But uh, the person who's doing it to fool you and to get some shine out of it and all of this, that you can't accept. Because when you do, they start to go further and further and further. And now you're starting to live in this unreal false world, so you can't. So do your homework and learn about it, you know, understand, pay attention, you know, start learning to be more aware, to be more discerning. And this you can learn, it just takes time and practice. But you can certainly go and research all about it. I mean, there's plenty of groups that are focused on narcissism and abuse and, and all of this, and you can really pay attention. But to rec After the commercial break, we'll be right back as Syl dives in to three steps you can take to protect yourself in the world of narcissism. Welcome back. Let's get started. Simply say, what am I being asked to do? That is a, that, that question right there. What am I being asked to do? Yeah. So, you know, uh, all right, you know, when it comes to a, uh, somebody trying to sell you some your product, well, obviously they're trying to sell me, right? And you know this, they're trying to sell me insurance or, you know, phone service or whatever, right? Uh, okay. Right. Or, you know, they're trying to sell me their, their program, their course or their book. Okay, yeah. I get that, you know, but we want to say, are they being upfront about it and is what they are selling for real? 
So what am I being asked to do? I'm being asked to buy something. Now, like I said, when it comes to people selling you stuff, you sort of, we're familiar with this, and we look at the product and we say, is this a real product or a bogus product? The bullshitters are trying to sell you a bogus product, and, you know, the real people say, well, okay, sure, it's good, so it's valid. However, we must look at what else are people trying to sell you. They may be trying to sell you on the idea that they are a nice person. The narcissists will always do this. I'm the nicest guy. I'm this. I'm that. I'm special. I'm clever. I know about this. I, they're always pushing this idea that they are superior inside. So they're asking you, you ask, what am I being asked to do? What are you being asked to do? You're asked to, to believe that the things that they say are true. And all you've got to do is say, wait a second. Yeah, I'm being asked to believe. And then you say the second follow-up is that, the discernment part, it says, based on what? Three words that pretty much end bullshit right there and then. Based, on, based on what? Okay. The moment you ask this question, and you can ask it in nice ways, you say, ah, you know, where, where, what supports that, you know, what tests have you done, what research have you done, you know, where's the statistics for this, where's the backup for this, uh, and so on and so on. And then the whole thing falls flat. Now you will start to hear all the obfuscation, which is another powerful word in understanding this. Same as preposterousness, obfuscation is the other power word. They are geniuses at obfuscation. So they will give you all of this rubbish. But at the end of the day, you say, what am I being asked to do? I'm being asked to believe. That's it. I'm just being asked to believe you because you say so. Not because you've got anything actually to back it up, you know, but you just say so. So I need to look at your actions, your behaviors, and real, look at the real stuff, not look at the belief. And so we have to go over that belief because the narcissists and the bullshitters are very clever. We, we are doing the believe, the feeling and believing program, right? I'm sure that's yeah. what we're involved in right now. So mm -hmm. here is how they actively use this to further their uh, agendas. The, the bullshitters and the narcissists, always when they first meet you, they'll be your best friend, right? They'll come across very friendly and they'll be very kind and considerate to you and very caring and look out for you. And they really make you feel like they are a friendly, nice guy, nice person, right? Oh, this is a lovely woman. She's so nice. She's so pleasant. So they'll gain your trust. And in that trust, because they are complimenting you and they, they're doing actual real nice things for you, they create that feeling that you feel good towards them, yeah? So okay. now you have this feeling which is tied to the belief and say, so, well, they made me feel good and they were actually acting nice and I feel good. Now you believe that they're a nice person. The feeling reinforces the belief and the belief reinforces the feeling and you get stuck in that loop. So when they start to come and actually get you to, you know, uh, uh, do this for me, please. Oh, well, you know, you take care of this. You know, bullshitters and narcissists, they always end up manipulating you and abusing you in some way. But because you stuck in that original belief that and that belief is reinforced by those original feelings, you get caught up in that loop so you don't see it. So really pay attention to what you're being asked to do. And then if you want to go a little deeper into it, uh, sure, pay attention to intent. Yeah? So look at what the intent is. And again, you know, this is a sophisticated topic that I go into in very deep detail. But to, to, to just 
say it really quickly. Pay attention to the overall intent and ask the question. Ask it really like, ask it out loud almost. And say, what is the intent here? Those exact words, very important to say. Because you are now asking not only what is my intent, what is their intent, but what is the situational, circumstantial intent? What is the bigger picture intent? And that's very important. So when we start to pay attention to intent, things come clear very, very, very quickly. We are all geniuses at the discernment of intent. Why do I say this? Because it's how we survived out in the jungle. Right? It's I survived, yeah. Yeah, I mean, take the zebra when it goes to drink water at the watering hole, and the lions are lying right there close to the watering hole. But but the, 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 the zebra can see the lions have eaten and they chill. They don't have a hunting intent. Yeah. So the zebra can go closer to the lions than otherwise it would ever go. But if those were hungry lions that hadn't eaten next to the water hole, no way that zebra would go anywhere near that water hole. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so this is important. We understand intent. And we realize that because that's how we survived, you know, the things intending to, to, to eat me or not. So we have to, and we can get a little bit sophisticated this. You know, you're walking and you startle the snake and it, you know, it, 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 it rears up and all this. It's surprised. Its intent is not to harm you. Its intent is just to defend itself. So if you back away a little bit and communicate your intent is not to harm it, typically the thing will also back away and leave you alone. Right? Most things don't want to get into a fight if they can help it. Yeah. So intent is very important. When we understand this, we can communicate intent and we can perceive intent. And that's huge. That's huge. So, so part of that discernment is the perception of intent. And so we then, can practice this. We can practice this. We can practice this. Yeah. So in this and way, we then, can also learn to communicate our own intent. Say again. Oh, I was going to say. So in this way, when we look at, you know, <laughs> what are they asking me to buy, believe, and based on what, or what's their intent? That's going to be pretty easy to determine whether or not a person is being transparent or authentic, because. Ultimately, you're, you know, you've got this great, big, beautiful pool, so to speak, you know, and somebody's swimming in it and they're saying, like, you know, come by my pool. This is beautiful. But there's always, there's always a bottom. Exactly. Exactly. They have an ulterior motive. They have an agenda. Okay. Great. And eventually that's so, going to be seen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so most people are very, very aware of intent when it comes to dating. Okay, that's a good topic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why guys are so awkward, because they have the intent of taking the woman to bed. That's it. That's it. They want sex and the story. That's the intent. But, uh, not always, obviously, but, you know, for the most part. Yeah. So the guy knows this. That's why he's a little bit awkward. And, and he, because he feels, if I were to say this directly, the girl's going to say, no, nah, thank you, all you want is sex. And that's the end of that, right? So this is where a lot of the bullshit comes from. Now, I have news for you guys. A lot of women will say, sure, okay, that's all I want also, and off we go, and that's it. Now, you get people who do this, and they just hook up and, you know, have sex and go. But so many guys don't believe this is possible, so they disguise their intent, and you get all this dance and this bullshit, right? Now, okay. the girl may be sitting there saying, you know, uh, who knows, maybe this will go somewhere. Her intent is a relationship. So she swallows all the bullshit because she's willing to believe because that's what she wants, right? And she sets aside, 
she overlooks her perception of the intent, right? And she, she bullshits herself to, to ignore those red flags. Well, and the end of the thing is they end up in bed and the guy dumps her and, and they said, well, you know, you've heard the story a dozen times from your girlfriends, right? Yeah. So we're all familiar with this, but it's, mm -hmm. it's people know. And if you look at bad dates, right, typically, and I've gone through this many times with women, and we, we went over the, the we went over the date like we were watching a video of it, right? We go through it frame by frame. Oh, and we say, okay, you, you met them the first, your first impression, what was that? And they, they, they you know, when you really get into the memory of it, they can picture the, the, the person there and say, ah, what was their intent? When I ask them that question in going back over it, they always nail it. And it's yep. like, yeah, you know, at the time I kind of knew it, but I suppressed it. I didn't want to know it because it was an awful truth, right? Right there and then you should turn around and say, look, this guy, you know, you could see it right away. The moment he walked in the door, I knew that all he wanted was to take me to bed. Right there, you should have said, thank you very much, late over. But yeah. we don't have this ability. We haven't practiced this. We haven't learned this, but we can. And we say, sorry, I changed my mind. End of story. Out you go. It's a little bit awkward, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's a hell of a lot better than ending up being screwed where you don't mean to be screwed, which is where the expression comes from. Right. right. So. So it's not being able to... Pay attention to intent. You know, you have that skill. You just need to practice it. That's what I'm trying to say. So, say again. Sorry, Sean. I was going to say, though, but it's not... It's, uh, what if you meet somebody where you cannot... where you're not able to discern what their intent is? Uh, then you just keep going until you can, and you are cautious. Okay. All right. It's I, very, well, very, very hard to hide intent, by the way. That's because what I was now you have an intent to hide something, and you're going to see that. Yeah, that's that nervousness, kind of like kids get. Early. Even not nervousness, you just see it. Even somebody may be very calm, but you feel something else is going on here, right? So we, we are geniuses at this. Trust your skill at the discernment of intent. Furthermore, if you're unsure, ask, what am I being asked to do? When do I step over a commitment line? So we get back to our zebras at the watering hole. Okay. They'll come close to those lions that are well fed, but, but, there's that invisible line which I call the commitment line, right? It's a space from the lion at which once the zebra crosses that line, if the lion decides to pounce on the zebra, it cannot get away, right? Right. That's close distance, right? Anything outside that, if the lion makes a move, the zebra can still uh, you know, uh, run away and, and potentially get away, right? Potentially, but the commitment line is where it, it knows if the line makes a move, it cannot get away. It's too close. So we have to pay attention to that commitment line. And that commitment line is, oh, come back to my place with me, or you invite them into your house. Right? That's a commitment. Uh, if you're not sure about somebody, don't cross that commitment line. Don't be going to their place. Don't invite them into yours. Don't sign any contracts. Don't do anything that commits you until you're sure. Right? And if you, if you cannot be sure, if you're making an effort and you feel like, I, I don't have anything definitive to say no, right? That's, uh, but I don't have anything definitive that forces me to say yes, then don't do it either. Or go into it knowing that you're taking a chance. Right? If it turns out bad, it turns out bad. Like, okay, you're going into a business deal. Fine. You know, put a clause in there that says if it goes out, that you can get out of it. You know? So have a way out if you can. Yeah, so, you know, like, okay, you're inviting me to your house, but, uh, you know, you've got your, your, your housemate is there and her boyfriend is over, okay, you've got some safety, right? So, you know, 
many ways to deal with it. Uh, and this is basically being strategic and being cautious and being sensible. One thing that you, um, that you have been leaning towards working with me on and you know, basically being able to dissect or use discernment with awareness, discernment, and understanding. And you need this in the book several times that, you know, how important um, ADU is, awareness, discernment, and understanding, and how using, how applying it in our lives can take away, removes that, um, you know, that fear of, well, gosh, you know, I just have to stay in my home, you know, because I want to deal with the outside world. You can still live, and you can live fruitfully as long as you're using and applying ADU. So I'm going to ask you, you want to touch on that a little bit? Yes, yes, that's huge. It's really, really huge. That awareness, discernment, and understanding. And I like those because it makes a nice mnemonic. ADU, they add to you. So we can just go through our lives and we say, yeah, but I'm sort of aware. You know, I'm not like totally asleep. Yes. But that's little a awareness, you know. Yeah, my dog is aware too. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have discernment and it doesn't have understanding. So right. that results in us ending up in this kind of a I call it one-step logic. That's it. We just see the first part of a pattern and we don't see the rest because there's no discernment. Which means when somebody tells you something and they say it with with some a certainty, they say, oh, you know what, I'm going to be going up into space next week. And they say it with such complete authority and certainty. And I don't think twice about it because I just believe the, the, um, the mood, the, the vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just trust what they say. Oh, okay, well, good for you. you know, and, and there we go. I, I'm just uh, using that example. This is not a particularly good example, but, you know, um, Shatner's going up in space, so it's just kind of fun. It's launching right now. So. Uh, but this is the key. So we don't think about what somebody said. If I thought about it and with that discernment, say, but hang on a second. Yes, I know it's possible to go up in space, but how are you going up into space? You know, do you have a billion dollars to afford this? Did you win a prize? What's going on? We don't think. We just accept. And this is how most bullshit gets pushed onto us. They push it with such authority that it just gets taken up and then we just assume it's okay. Much yep. like whatever, you know, your attitude when it comes to dealing with your dog or your cat, your moo, or any animals, right, or children, your mood, your attitude cues them how to behave and they don't question they just do so we are set up to respond to authority how many thousands of years where we've been living and been a part of essentially the feudal system which is a very few uh, pushing their ideas onto you and basically making you into a willing slave yeah we just label ourselves we accept those labels and it limits okay go ahead so, so this, this idea of the awareness and the discernment and understanding starts you to say, but, 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 wait a second, hold on. And I thought about, uh, now that I think about this, I'm sorry, but this is impossible. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to the problem. Right? So, so when we get to this discernment and understanding, it forces us to look below the layer, to see the, below that first step, and to go into a second step, and to look at all the layers beneath the surface, and to really understand the fullness of what's going on. But there's a blockage to this, and that is preposterousness. Okay. So, yes. this understanding of preposterousness is absolutely... 
absolutely critical. So, you know, my friend who's just come and said to me, or this, you know, person that I've just met, you know, whatever, we'll just call him Joe, right? So Joe comes and says, oh, I'm going up into space, and he says it with this great authority. And, you know, at first I said, oh, well, good for you. And then I thought about it about it and said, well, well wait a second. Now I, I start to think about it and I kind of, you know, look at Joe a little bit again and I maybe Google Joe, look him up on Facebook. And, well, no, Joe's not going up into space. Joe's completely, absolutely bullshitting me. In other words, Joe is deliberately lying to me. Joe is attempting to deceive me for some other reason. Why? Why is Joe doing this? Well, it makes Joe look good. Oh my goodness, that was pretty shallow. Well, it's kind of lame, Joe, you know, that you're willing to get some uh, attention and approval based on a complete and utter outrageous lie. I mean, really, how idiotic is this? Furthermore, how idiotic do you think I am? So not only are you, you know, yourself really lame, but you are really treating me as if I'm totally lame and idiotic that I'm going to think that you're wonderful because of this, you know, and this lie is going to suit it. But it's so preposterous that what do I do with it? If I say something, I, I basically just say, dang, Joe, you know, that's just like a crazy lie. Now yeah. you put me in an awkward situation. So I don't want to go there. And the preposterousness of that is so monumental, my brain at first might say, no, man, surely not. Come on, you know, this can't be true. Now, in the case of Joe and his, his bullshit about going into space, okay, you know, we can maybe still deal with that. We're adults. Uh, and it's not that such a critical issue. But there are other times when it is really critical, and I'll use your situation again. And when Joe your father came to you at our special playtime and he started all of this crap, right? Mm -hmm. What are the implications of this? It is the implication that he's not only doing something that is wrong and bad, but that means he doesn't have good sense. He doesn't have good logic, good rationality. He doesn't have goodness. He's, he's doing stuff that's wrong. He's an adult. He should know better, but he doesn't. So this is utterly, utterly preposterous. And if you accept this, it essentially crashes your world. Because now you are the sensible one in your, in your child world. Which, man, that's a scary idea. Your whole world is suddenly turned upside down. The adults who are supposed to be the ones who know and sensible are not. They're terrible because, you know, your mother wasn't really helping either. She knows what's going on, but she's not putting it into it. So you can't trust anybody if, if you accept what's going on. But it's so preposterous that it's hard to believe it could be true. And that's the problem with preposterousness. Our brains are set up to reject it. You know, it's like if it's, if it's too good, it can't be true. If it's too good, right, that's preposterous. It can't be that good. So we say it's not true. But the reverse applies. When it's really like so crazy, so absolutely crazy, 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 it can't be true. So we deny it and then we just kind of go along with it. I must be the one who's wrong. I must be bad. So now you get to this refusal to accept the preposterous leads to your long-term feelings of shame and guilt. And I must be a bad person. I must be crap. I must be wrong. No, I must be. That's the problem. That must be. We have to look so carefully at must be. We assume things must be because we refuse to deal with the preposterous, which is also refusing to deal with the awful truth. In your situation or any child that's abused, the awful truth is that your parents are full of crap. 
they are bad, they are no good, they are nonsensical. They might not be deeply bad person, but they're still caught up in bubbles of bad behavior. But nonetheless, your world is turned upside down, where they aren't being sensible, and you know, you are seeing this. So this is preposterous, but we need to learn to be okay and accept and understand that yes, you know, so often the preposterous is actually true. And that's just very key. It's a very, very, very key nexus point for getting to awareness, discernment, and understanding. Being able to overcome preposterousness. And also the awful truth. You know, this is the key to learning. If we cannot accept the awful truth, forget it. You know, if you can't face it and deal with it, you're never going to actually move on and learn. You're always going to deny it, and that'll be a blockage, and you're not, you don't get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So preposterousness usually is is leading to an awful truth, but sometimes it's also leading to an awesome truth. It's just it's too outrageous, and our brains are, are sort of a bit programmed to accept or believe that the outrageous isn't true. Mm -hmm. So can a I've never asked you this before. Um, your thoughts on whether or not can a narcissist, and we know there's many different forms, but can a narcissist ever come to that awareness that they have believed and bought into their own bullshit for so long. Can they actually get to a point where they can understand what it is they're doing? They know it. That's what makes the narcissists, and particularly the bullshit manipulator narcissists, this is what makes them so dangerous. They're aware. They know they bullshit you. And they don't care. Is, is and they that don't care. And they, it's not just that they don't care. They see it as, haha, I'm getting one over you. Because they're so involved in the superiority paradigm. The superiority paradigm is basically um, um, formalized or entrenched uh, bullying, hierarchy, right? It's like the chicken pecking order, right? You're always trying to, to climb up that scale. And you peck on the person's head to keep them below you. And, you know, you suck up to the ones above you. And when you get kind of more or less close to them, you start pecking on their heads so that you can leap from them. It's all about entrenched bullying, essentially. That's what that whole superiority paradigm is all about. It's about who's the biggest and best bully, right? So there's no, there's no ethics involved in that. There's no morality. It's you win at all costs. And this is very, very, very important. Winning is everything. There's no second place. This is one of the, the sort of chief beliefs of the superiority paradigm. Uh, but to win at all costs, if you're cheating to win, how does this make you a winner? But this is the rubbish that the superiority paradigm gets. It's a bullying logic. I'm better than you because, well, I don't know, I did something horrible to you, you know. I, I, it, it doesn't matter how you get to be above as long as you're above. So right. they know they are bullshitting you and they, they love getting away with them. It makes them feel clever and superior. Because that's what their, their Bible is, their, 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 their pull, their life, is being superior, being dominant, being above you. It, it doesn't actually mean they are trying to be good. They don't care at all about being good. It's mm -hmm. simply being relatively, supposedly better than you. And better just means being above you, being dominant. It doesn't mean being actually better as in being a better person. And this is a big understanding. I call it shit power logic. <laughs> because because they are looking to be the king of the shit pile and when they get to be at the top of their thing they say oh, I'm the king I say yeah dude you may be the king but you know what you're king of the shit pile you're still living in a shit pile dude and the shit is all your bullshit 
Yeah. That's it. That's it. You king of the shit pile. But no, they king. And this is wonderful. I'll give you an example of this idiocy. <laughs> uh, you know, I had I had a couple of retail stores a long time ago. So one day, one of my employees comes in and he's all excited. Yeah. I, I think I told you the story before. But he's like really over the top excited. I won, I won, I won, I won. I said, what did you win? I'm like, wow, I thought you won the lottery or something. You were so excited. And, and he, he like looks at me like, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, what did you win? You're so excited. What do you mean? Oh, 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 I won my eBay auction. I'm like, I, 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 I was like, holy, you know, you could have just smacked me with a feather and I would have fallen down. Seriously, dude, this is the biggest thing in your life. I said, but, you know, you didn't win, you just paid the most. Yes, but I won. Yes, but I won. I said, but you just paid the most to win. It doesn't matter. He says, I won, I won, I won. It's like, man, how are you not being manipulated by the superiority paradigm? And he totally bought into it. So to him, he was the winner, which made him superior. He took it personally, not realizing that he's just a dupe, that he's just been paying the most. It's like, wow. So when we look at the superiority paradigm, it's very influential. People do all sorts of stupid and idiotic things in order to win, win, win. Minimizing. Bullshit. Let's call it what it is. We tend to okay our attitudes towards abuse by minimizing the terms used to meet our comfort and for no other reason. People find themselves uncomfortable with using terms such as sexual abuse, rape, and instead water it down with terms like molesting. Continue listening in as Syl moves through how we are conditioned, how it all starts. Appropriate intolerance. Let's talk about what does that mean? That simply means that we have to unhook from our conditioned uh, belief or uh, understanding or philosophy, training, habit, which says a tolerance is good and intolerance is bad, right? Any intolerance makes you a bad person. That's mm -hmm. not so. It's absolutely not so. Uh, uh, there is such a thing as appropriate intolerance, uh, like when it comes to bullshit. And, you know, uh, like that one post that somebody made in the group about uh, playing with her father when she was a kid, you know, and, and how it made her uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, they are, you know, so you have to say, no, I'm not going to tolerate that. And, and say, no, okay, it's hard for kids. But, you know, as adults, we have to really be aware of this and say, you know, no, sorry, uh, we're not going to do this. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting, interesting post. I mean, that was one that was, um, as soon as, it was one of those things, like, as soon as I read it, kind of like the term baby girl, that's what I felt. I automatically knew that, oh, well, okay, for me, that's wrong. For somebody else, it might be kind of iffy on the line. Um, for people, they might see it as perfectly normal. You know, that it, it just depends on their particular situation. So then taking it, we, we, our perceptions create that context, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's simply not letting things go, which are okay maybe in and of themselves. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, when, when, like, for instance, it, let's assume this was 
uh, a, a situation where you now are an adult and it's a you know different logic. Um, the bullshit in in its small part, in and of itself, the the start of the bullshit train, the bullshit path. You know where they're heading with us. The end point. The end point is totally not cool and not good and bad and harmful and obviously horrible and all sorts of stuff, right? But the starting point is not necessarily so. So we have to be intolerant of that starting point, which in and of itself is not necessarily harmful. It's it's innocuous, and that's why they get away with it. But it's one step leads to two steps, leads to three steps, and the next thing you're on that path. Yeah, and then it, you, get in, you become entangled, and we talk about this in the book, right? The, that entanglement, that connectivity. I go into it in real detail. Yeah, uh, so this is this is why we need to be appropriately intolerant of the bullshit in the first place, and not call bullshit BS. Yeah, because it just minimizes it. It's the exactly. same thing, and it, it okay's it. It's not okay. Yeah. Sexual abuse and, and sexual violence, all of that has been minimized. For years I was taught, you know, through counseling, my counselors and therapists always call it being molested. I'm going to say bullshit right there. It's not just being molested. It is sexual violence. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's being forced. It's being forced. Yeah, and you know, to molest something, you know, I molest the ants a little bit here, and basically, I, you know, put them off what they're doing. You know, molest is like a, a mild botheration. No, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you know, that's not it. This is outright sheer, you know, like you said, it's controlled violence, it's domination, it's bullying, it's forcing somebody, it's removing their freedoms, it's doing what is downright utterly unpleasant to them, which, when you do something which is very, very, very unpleasant to somebody, painful, hurtful, what is that? What's another word for that? Assault. Uh, torture. Torture. Yeah. yeah. When it's deliberate and you know that it's doing this but you don't care and you're trying to bullshit yourself. Oh, well, it's love and all that. No, it's that to you maybe but not to me. So that's it. When we look at, you know, uh, child abuse or abuse of all of its various... I'm sorry, this is just flat out torture. Yes, it is. When you bullshit it and say, oh, it's this and that, even abuse, yes, uh, you know, abusive is a good strong word, but when you see it as torture, that changes the whole dynamic. Yeah, it does, because, well, and unfortunately, our laws have been very implicit in um, minimizing, you know, we, our laws have created a rape culture, just based on their terminology. Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And this is important. That's why the course shifts the focus. Yes, the material is mostly the same, but in the tasks and exercises and the comments, there's extra added, which shifts the focus from this attention onto BS to the, the, the superiority paradigm itself. We need to understand this, and we need to understand how so much of our culture is coming from that superiority paradigm. Who writes your laws? Those that are in charge. Who is in charge? Misogynists, for the most part. And those who believe that, you know, men are superior and all this. We've had this long history and culture of entrenched misogyny. And that misogyny, you know, it comes into the laws. That's why, you know, laws for, for rape, you know, are so minimal. And for adultery, they punish the woman, but not the man. It's like, where the hell is this logic here? 
It's astonishing. It, it is absolutely But when you understand that it's coming from those who are seeking to entrench their superiority, and they just blind, to, for the most part, to the hypocrisy involved. It's just absolutely absurd and ridiculous. But we have to change that. Furthermore, furthermore, right, when you look at a BMN, right, a bullshit manipulated narcissist, we go into that psychology in great detail in the book and the course. Yeah. And when you look at them and you see what's going on with them, they are based on insecurity for the most part, right? That's it. That's why they push themselves so much. That's why their narcissism has to get expressed, because they're in inherently, fundamentally insecure. And they've used the bullshit to make themselves special and superior, because they don't actually have the real goods, right? So mm -hmm. they have the bullshit that they have it, and they get away with it, because they never get called on it, at least, right? Until right. somebody does, but then they just find somebody else. So they were enough victims to work us on. But the point I want to make is, because of that insecurity, they need to justify their behaviors. So they sell, they push out into society and into their environment. They push the things that justify their behaviors. So, in other words, so much of our culture comes from this BMN idea. Of, of their logic to justify their behavior. So we have to be very, very cautious when we just accept things that are like the, well, that's just the way it is. Like, Where does that just the way this stuff comes from? comes from the BMNs because an earnest good person who's just doing their own good stuff, they don't feel a need to go and tell everybody, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. It's only the BMNs that feel that urge because they do it so that they can justify their own nonsense. It's fascinating. So we have to look carefully at the assumed culture we live in and just accept without thinking. I hope you've enjoyed this wonderful episode with author Syl Sebastian. Out BS is the name of the book and you can find it online at Amazon. I have a favor to ask of you though. I need your support to help change the way we minimize our language, our culture, our attitudes towards rape, towards sexual abuse and domestic violence. I can't do this work alone. So I need your support by picking up a copy for yourself and for a friend of Unbound 100 Days of Intent by liking and sharing this podcast. The longer we sit in silence, the more we become that silence. So please, like, share, support, follow me across all the platforms. Until next week, I hope you stay safe and know that I'm supporting you with love.